On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, it is the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio with a special Friday the 13th edition. Now, do we make it scary because it's Friday the 13th? Do we refuse to walk under ladders with black cats? No. We bring in Cadillac Bill because we got so many things to talk about and we need a Friday the 13th-esque perspective on all this stuff. You will enjoy it. Stick around for the next little while. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Welcome to the Scott Radley Show for this Friday the 13th. Joining me in the studio, a man who needs no introduction to some, needs some introduction to others, uh, a man who you have seen his show on Cable 14, one of the most unusual shows ever. Uh, You may have seen him playing music around the city. He has a band. It's a really good band. They play good music. We may get to some of that later in the show. And we will get to the other part of what he's doing later. So he has a book coming out in that's being released tomorrow. Uh, his stage name, well, his real name is Bill Boyd Wilson. His stage name, you probably know him better as Cadillac Bill. Thanks for coming in today. Hey, Scott. It's been too long. It is. A, it's been a long time and it's so nice to be here. But I couldn't think of anyone more suited or better fitting for a Friday the 13th Friday show. The 13th. I mean, sh- short of Vincent Price still being alive and able to come in. You were the next I'm best the after next Vincent best. Price. And by the way, Vincent Price and, and I and you were all the same height. I d- I, was Vincent yeah, Price a tall man? Six four. He was, eh? 6'4", yep. Vincent Sorry. Price was blessed with the single most perfect laugh for a genre that he fell yeah. into. Like, he yeah. could never have been a comedian. <laughs> I know. You know, you, you, know, that laugh that he had, you could never have cracked a joke. Uh, yeah, yeah. It would, it would just come out really creepy. <laughs> he was perfect for that. And everybody knows, I'm assuming everybody knows his connection to Hamilton. That he used to come here regularly to film uh, hilarious House of Frightenstein. We should make sure everyone knows that, uh, folks. If you're listening, Vincent Price used to be in Hamilton regularly yep. on on hilarious House of Frightenstein. Yeah, and if you don't know who Vincent Price is, what can I tell then you? Then you're in trouble. Go look it up on Google. He was the actually. You don't need to look it up on Google. He was the guy who did the narration in Michael Jackson's Thriller. Correct. So even if you're Correct. not old enough to remember like House of Wax or some of his other, uh, and, and I won't be. I'll, I'll be objective descriptions of his if, work. And if you're not sure who Michael Jackson is, <laughs> you are in trouble. You are very, very, <laughs> young. very out of it. You are very young. Yeah, uh, what does uh, What does Cadillac Bill do to celebrate a Friday? Th- First of all, I want to back up. Mm. Triskaidekaphobia, which I said off the top, is yep. fear of the number thirteen. So it was not fear of Friday the thirteenth. This is one I uh, I will guaranteed mangle it. It is. Paraskevidekatriophobia, or or there's another word. There's two. You had to have two, of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, Frigatriskadekaphobia. It's like triskadekaphobia without frig thrown in because it's extra. If they've got a word for the fear of Friday the 13th, there's got to be a word for every phobia in the world, like a fear of doorknobs. (laughs) I mean, really. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Yeah. I'm sure there is a fear. In the next commercial break, I'm going to look uh, up and see if there is a doorknob phobia. Doorknobs or doors opening. Or well, that one I mean, may probably more, yeah, especially creaky doors opening. So what does Cadillac Bill do to celebrate a Friday the 13th? I didn't even know it was Friday the 13th, you, uh, Scott. I had no idea what the date was. You didn't join Thong Man Heck, and take your motorcycle to Port Dover? We, my band once played at Friday the 13th in Port Dover, and it was the greatest thing I remember because 
Hell's Angels came out. All of them. And, well, there was not all of them. (laughs) The the room only fitted a few people, but there was a whole row of them at the back of the club, all standing there with their biker jackets on, with their arms crossed, and we happened to be playing the Batman theme at that mi- at that moment, and I thought in, to my mind myself, this has got to be the most ridiculous thing ever. <laughs> Here is us playing Batman, and there's all these bikers looking rather stern with their arms ready to kill you if you play the wrong song. And then right after, of course, we went right into a ZZ Top song just. Figure well, <laughs> they won't come and kill us. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure if Hell's Angels have a theme song, but it might have been a good one to learn. I was pr- probably a ZZ Top or Some, Steppenwolf or something. Steppen, yes, th- he's born to be wild. Would be yeah, uh, that, would fit into their that category. Definitely not the Batman theme. I, and I'm guessing Thongman was not in the bar that day then for that performance. Do you know who Thongman is? Scott, I do not. Oh, he, see, he should have picked up the paper today. There's a picture. He's, I, I forget his name. Uh, pardon me, Thong Man. I'm sorry for forgetting your name. Although he's probably still on his bike. Uh, he wears an orange thong and that's it. Along with his helmet and goes to Port Dover and he's 76 years old. I and I've seen him. And all I could think when I keep seeing him is two things. One, I've never been on, I've been on a motorcycle. I've never driven a motorcycle. Huh. But they always say you're supposed to wear leathers in case you ever fall off your bike so you don't like grind your flesh down to the bone. If you're only wearing a thong, that's a problem. But but maybe his thong is leather, so at least it'll protect certain parts of it. At least that part. So that's good to know. But the other thing is, you know, thankfully it's it's. It's temperate. It's uh, seasonal out there today. But if it's a Friday the 13th in the middle of summer... Riding your leather motorcycle seat with a bare buttocks and only a thong, that's way too sticky. No matter how good you will look, you will not be pleased about doing it. So (laughs) if you're doing it just there to show off, forget it. Yes, thong man. Forget it. And I would look terrible. I would look terrific. I would look You think terrific. so? You were about to say terrible, but yeah. you changed your mind. <laughs> I decided that. Okay. Okay. I, I would look terrible. Uh, I'm, I'm, th- well, you know what? I'm going to bring in for a second here. Lorraine is on the other side of the glass today. On a percentage wise, Lorraine, from one to a hundred percent, how many men look terrific in thongs percentage wise? A hundred percent. Seriously? Yeah, why not? I I would have said one percent at best. What We're going. She said a hundred percent. Bill didn't have his earphones on. I say there is no way that most men look good in thongs. I'm sorry, she there just isn't. All men would look good in thongs. She is. That's so sweet. Lorraine is. So well, next week, next week for fr- the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio, it is the all thong edition yeah. of uh, the brightest conversation. I don't even know who's in here next Friday, hey. but we'll have to warn them ahead of time. The all thong hey, edition for Lorraine. Next time I come in, in I'm wearing my thong. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I don't own one. I may have to buy one, but we'll, well, we'll see what we no, can do for no, next look, week. Folks, I do not own a thong. <laughs> <laughs> that, let's make that perfectly clear. I don't okay? know. I actually don't know, other than thong man, I don't know any man who does own a thong no. or would admit yeah. to it, but there you go. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. So, Bill, last time you were here, and it's been a long time since you were here, uh, we chatted about Florence Lawrence and yes, many people are unfamiliar still with Florence Lawrence. And the reason I'm bringing this up again, I'm going to get you to explain Florence Lawrence in just a second. But l- this week I was pointing out that the city of Hamilton announced almost two years ago that Russ Jackson was going to be honored with a field named after him. Russ Jackson, of course, CFL legend, 
Many people say the greatest Canadian CFL football player of all time. And he's still waiting. He's heard nothing from the city. And I, I just look at this and I go, mm-hmm. we've got to do better at these kind of things. We're doing, we're doing a little better, but we've got to do better at honoring, recognizing, celebrating famous people, people who have done amazing things, who have done things that we can build excitement in this city and feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. You've been lobbying yeah. for a couple of years now, at least yeah. for Florence Lawrence. Yeah. And indeed, I I didn't know anything about her, and somebody told me about her one day, and I decided to do a whole episode in honor of Florence Lawrence. And I'll, I'll explain to you. And that, that's your TV show on Cable 14 when you were doing it, so yeah. just so people are tuning in. Yeah, she, uh, so so I decided I was going to, our final episode, our 69th episode, our final episode was going to be in honor of Florence Lawrence. And the reason was because Florence Lawrence, folks, was Hollywood's very first movie star ever. Female. F- first male or female. Really? Yes. She started in 1906, and she, her name, in she, it was the first time ever an actor or actress would have their name at the beginning of the film, and people would come to see the movie because of, of a name. So before then, it was just people on the screen and people they were just bodies. People didn't even know the names of the actors. But I thought she was just the first female one. You're saying first no, of she, she was the first literally movie star. And, and she was a Hamiltonian. She was from Hamilton. And she started in 1906. She made 250 films. She was before Mary Pickford. Okay. Before Mary Pickford. And people loved her so much in the early days, in the early days of filmmaking, when she was working for Thomas Edison, and then she moved to Hollywood and was, was with the Imp Studios or Biograph, and they loved her so much that the the, the, the Biograph decided that they're going to put her name because people were coming to see, they wanted to see this wonderful young woman, and it was the first time any actor ever had their name. They got credit on a screen. Yeah, at the beginning of a movie, and she was from right here in Hamilton. And then when she left a Biograph um, because she wanted to uh, get paid a bit more, she went over to Imp, and Biograph found out about it, so, so they basically fired her. They then hired Mary Pickford. Mary Pickford is from Toronto, 30 miles from Hamilton. So the two biggest first movie stars in Hollywood are from 30 miles from each other. But yeah, how yeah. is it, because I'm, I'm guessing there are some people listening who have heard the name Florence Lawrence now and are maybe a little familiar, but I would also be willing to put money down, Bill, that 80%, 90% of people, even if they've heard the name, don't really know anything about her. No. And that's, no. The, to me, no. this is one of the most obvious people that you as a city say, no. we got to do something about that. Yeah, that's right. And I was... I was trying to petition to the city councillors, and I was uh, sending out letters, and and uh, and then I, I, one of the city councillors then said, "Yes, we will do a plaque on our Walk of Fame, the, whole, the Hamilton Walk of Fame, which I don't think anything's happened with that yet. But apparently, the first plaque will be Florence Lawrence. Well, so we'll see. We'll we'll see how that." Yeah, we will see how that turns out, and I hope that it does. But and and so, when did you hear that that was going to happen? Uh, this was uh, probably a year and a half ago. And what have you heard since? Zero, <laughs> zero. It go- and that's exactly <laughs> my point: is that this this week, 
So last Saturday, I don't know if you're a tennis fan, I don't know if you were watching Bianca Andreescu at the U.S. Open I last week. A little bit. Remarkable achievement. And so she comes home and Mississauga, within under 100 hours of her winning this tournament, has named a street after her and oh, says yeah. they're having a huge civic celebration for her this weekend. Uh. And I'm thinking, that's how you do... These are oh. things, Bill, Florence Lawrence or Eugene Levy or Martin Short yeah. or name your person. These are things, I think, that build civic pride, that you have these oh. people who have come from here and done great things. Bianca Andrescu, people in Mississauga, where she's from, are very excited about this, and so they should be. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, we can, uh, we are talking about Florence Lawrence and other people. Now again, yeah. if people don't know Florence Lawrence was the first ever movie star period mm-hmm. from Hamilton, yeah. uh, which you've been trying to get something done named after her. We've talked about other yeah. people. This to me seems like the kind of thing that just makes people feel good about their city and should yeah. be something that everybody involved in the city is diving on to try and be part of this. Yeah, because there's lots of famous people came from this city. I mean, not like hugely famous, but someone like uh, uh, Florence Lawrence is really, really important in the history of Hollywood. And by the way, she also invented the first indicator for cars. I heard this, first yes. First brake signal. Um, she, cause she was right into cars and you see, she was before Charlie Chapman. This gives you all an idea of how long ago, you know, the early days of films didn't start with Laurel and Harley and Charlie Chaplin. They went way back further than that. But yeah, she was very talented. She invented turn signals for cars, but she, she never patented it. And her mother invented windshield wiper. For, for cars. So I, I, I know it's not exactly the same thing and many people will say, well, she was an actress and the person I'm going to use as an example did more important. But, you know, in Brantford, they don't hesitate to point out, hey, we're the home of Alexander Graham Bell or other yeah, places. Yeah. They're very quick to, they're very quick to point out the people who have come from there and done amazing things. And, mm-hmm. you know, Wayne Gretzky, uh, interesting story though, going back a number of years, Wayne Gretzky from Brantford, of course, as well. Years ago, they tried to get a street named after Wayne Gretzky. Now it is isn't. Wayne Gretzky Parkway is Park Road North or was Park Road North. That was a huge fight. Like it, it mm-hmm. happens at times, but boy, it seems like, again, you look at Mississauga and with Bianca Andrescu and the people there are, it, it, it makes you feel good about your city when you're can point to people who have done amazing things. And you say, I'm from Hamilton. And you know who's from Hamilton? And you say, Martin Short and all these people. Um, uh, Absolutely. um, Eugene Levy, actually, he wasn't from Hamilton. I think he... uh, Came here and lived here for quite a while through university and... Um, Jim Carrey was from... Aldershot. Yes, from Aldershot. Was it Aldershot? Yeah, that's pretty neat. Uh, So, again, I just... uh, And Robinson Screwdrivers... We're invented, we're invented here. There's a lot in of stuff. Hamilton. There's a lot of stuff. So that should be in our Walk of Fame, a plaque with a, an image of the Robinson screwdriver. But even, and here's the other thing, is we have places that are named after people. Well, sure. Most of our streets are. We, yeah, although, and, and that's fantastic. And, you know, that's I, fantastic. We also have a uh, Franz Liszt way. I don't know yeah, what Franz yeah. Liszt has to do with Hamilton, but n- and Nikola Tesla. Nikola and I know there's Tesla, a connection yeah. there somehow, but I, you, you, I believe attended the very uh, opening. I, of, I did that for my episode. Yep. yep. You were there yep. for the very first, uh, for the opening exciting. of that. But 
we just, you need to put it out there. You need to make it obvious. You know, when people drive through Hamilton, they should drive along Martin Short Road. So everyone goes, oh yeah, Mar- I know who that guy, like it is only good for the city. What about Frankie Venom? Frankie Ven- Should we change Main Street to Frankie Venom Way? That may be slightly excessive. Come but, on. But Main I w- Street should be Frankie Venom Way. But you know what? Whether you want to call a street in town or a park or something, whether you want to call it Frankie Venom Park, yeah. there was some blowback to that at times when Brian McCaddy wanted to m- make a statue. Yeah, Part of right. it because the statue was going to be, I think, a quarter of a million dollars or something. Yeah. But would anyone be too upset if we called a street Teenage Headway? No, yeah. Because they were a huge, be they're still around, but they were a huge band. They were very important. And uh, 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 who else? Who else is from Hamilton? Well, part of- uh, There's a ton of them. Um, nah, nah, anyway, Florence Lawrence. There's a ton of people- She's very that, important. That we should be doing something. And as I said a few moments ago, we have done better in recent years. We have shown some signs of improvement and then- you run into some cases where you go, oh, okay, we're still not good at this. This well, is one of those things where we should be able to do something very quickly. Also, I want to say Florence Lawrence, she died penniless. It's a horrible she, end. She took her life in 1938. She committed suicide, and she was buried in an unmarked grave for decades. She ate rat poison, right? Yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was ant paste. Ant paste. Because it had arsenic in it. And she was buried, no one knew where she was buried, an unmarked grave. And Roddy McDowell from Hollywood discovered there she was, an unmarked grave. He paid to have a the little plaque made for her. And she is now laying in the forever, so forever Hollywood cemetery. She died in misery. For crying out loud, let's do something for a Hamiltonian. Uh, and you know what you can see? Right. You know whose studio is right beside? You, you can look out Dr. Phil's studio right on to Florence Lawrence's grave. That's how close she is to there. There's where oh, she is. Oh, Dr. Phil. Dr. I, Phil. I, I watch that every day. I love Dr. <laughs> Phil. Seriously. Seriously. I learn all about life from that. And who doesn't, really? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Hour number two of the Scott Radley Show here on 900 CHML. Going to bring back Cadillac Bill in one second. We've got a little bit of breaking news here for you. The Toronto Maple Leafs and Mitch Marner have agreed on a new six-year contract. So there you go. The numbers have not been released yet, at least not officially. Uh, although he will not be having to eat macaroni and cheese for the next little while. Let's be, it's f- safe to say that. But yes, so Mitch Marner is now signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So all reports to the contrary can stand down. The panic is over. Uh, this is hour number two of the Scott Radley Show. We'll give you more as that comes up. Uh, let me give you a quiz question, and then we're going to uh, bring Bill back into this. In Romeo and Juliet, we're talking literature today. In Romeo and Juliet, what is Juliet's last name? 905-645-3221 or star 9900. There's your quiz question. In Romeo and Juliet... What is Juliet's last name? 905-645-3221, star 990. That is your quiz question. Give Lorraine a call. Give her your name. Give her your guess. We will tell you who are the brilliant literary genie. I don't know what the, the plural of genius, a genii. 
Genai? Genai? Genus? No. I'm not brilliant, nor am I a literary, so I wouldn't know the answer. Genius to is obviously singular, so genie, gene. No, yes. genie is what you get in a bottle. That can't be it. That couldn't be it. I don't know. Well, I don't think it's a matter of being a literary genius to answer this question. I think all you have to do is have access to Google. <laughs> So anyone out there who has uh, well, that's true. a computer with a worldwide web on it, and you can just type in. There is that. There so is that. Uh, that so voice, there you go. That voice you're hearing is Bill Boyd Wilson, known better around these parts as Cadillac Bill. You have seen his shows on Cable 14. We're going to talk about that show in a few minutes, uh, or things that have spun off of that show, because there are many things going on in the world of Cadillac Bill these days. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, a lot of other stuff I want to get to though, and, and a bunch of little stories, Bill, that, um, that have popped up over serious, not so serious, some of them of each today. Now, do you know who Felicity Huffman is? Do you know the actress yes, Felicity Huffman? Yes, I know. And I know the story you're going to talk about and I'm thrilled who we're going to discuss. Well, it. she's married to William H. Macy, who's a terrific actor. He's, uh, he was in Fargo and he's been in a bunch of other oh, things. Oh, I thought I saw he looked familiar. Yes. And he was yeah. terrific in Fargo. He's yeah. one of, and he's been terrific in a lot of different things. So Felicity Huffman is, as I say, also an actress. And she was one of the people who was in this pay for admission to university. Yeah. She was one of the parents, the Hollywood parents who paid enormous, inordinate amounts of money for her kids to get into good universities. And basically the, the, the problem was the money was going into illegal places, fake charities and donations and things, and she got busted. And so she was up for sentencing today. She had pleaded guilty, was up for sentencing, uh-huh. got 14 days in jail, uh, $30,000 fine, which I believe was double what she paid to get her kid into school, uh, 200 hours of community service, stuff like that. Uh, you said you were following this. We're, well, we're, uh, you were 14 days probably isn't enough, but the fact that she got 14 days was because she pleaded guilty and she's shown that she she's feels remorseful. bad. The other woman, Lori Lachlan, lo- is pleading completely not guilty. So she's going to get a much stiffer sentence. If she's found guilty, she yeah, will, yes. Yeah, if she is. That's how so it works. That's, that's why they gave Felicity a bit of a break. And I, see, here's, yeah. here's the thing about this. I, you don't want people to be able to buy their way specifically out of justice, all right? So the school thing, they bought their way into university. You don't want the people of higher social rank, whatever you want to call it, to be able to buy their way out of justice. And I, and maybe it's a bad example, but I got thinking about this. You've got a parent who has done something to get their kid ahead in the world, to get their kid into a better school, to get their kid a better education. She has tons of money. So money and buying access was an obvious thing, but not, not all of us have the same amount of money. How different is what she did from all the parents who help their kids with science projects and help their kids with other things <laughs> well, and don't tell the question. teachers that the parent no. is really doing the work. Yes, it's on a different Scott, scale. You do bring up, in, I never thought of it that but way. But it's on a different scale because they have That's way right. more money. But if I'm a parent, look, when my kids yeah. were in school, we would go to the science fair. And let me tell you, and I helped my son with his science project. I'm, I, and I called yeah, the teacher. Sure. I, I called the teacher after and said, "Here's what I did to help him." Just so you're clear, as you're judging this stuff, I yes, I well, was that involved. Well, was honest of you to say, because some people would say, 
That they wouldn't say, I helped. Well, it was like, so what I did, I helped with a video that they put together to explain how they did their project. And so I said to the teacher, I want you to know the video that you're going to see, I helped them put that all together. But the questions they asked, the science stuff they did, that was them. But you would go to the science fair and it was abundantly clear that there were some projects there that mom and dad had told the kid, go to bed, we'll do your project for you. Right. How is that different from what Felicity Huffman did? And you're right. (laughs) You're right. I never thought of it that way. If you are, because again, it's on a relative scale, but if you're helping your kid get a higher mark, which helps them in get into a university, is that not exactly the same thing? And I would say it is. It kind of is. And yet we've got all these parents who are very bent out of shape about this because, oh, look what she did. That's horrible. I would never do something. You know what? If you had 20 million or 30 million or 50 million in your bank account, I'm not sure. Can you honestly say that you would not use your money to help yourself or help your kids if you had 20 or 50 or a hundred million dollars in your bank account? Well, sure. You you know how much it costs to go to university? It's a few bucks. My kids are both in there right now. You have to be doing pretty good just to go to university anyway. So the kids are, so you are either having help from mom and dad or you're taking on big loans. Yeah. to get through there yourself. They're, I mean, they're, not everybody who goes to university comes from wealth. Y- kids have loans yeah, and big loans. that's right. That's and right. big loans. But no, I like I. there's been so many people that I saw even today, again, on Twitter and Facebook with a, you know, waving their finger at Felicity Huffman. And I get it. Sure, I'm not happy with what she did. But you certainly bring up a point that I never thought about. If you help your kids. Science projects, you know. Well, if you help your kids with homework. Are you doing a similar thing or is it a thing that is totally acceptable? Well, it's the difference between helping them with the homework and doing the homework for them. Where's the, so where's the line? Where is the line? That, that's a good question. Where is the line? I'll have to think about that. I'll get back to you about that. Where is the line? When I told the teacher, when I told that science teacher, when I called him up that time and I said, just so you know, I was involved. I did help with this. So you know where I contributed in this. I don't want them to be graded on that part because that was me. His comment was, as long as they learned and can understand and can explain the science behind it, that's what we are trying to get through. So even if you're a parent and did the whole thing, as long as we can ask the kid, but I bet you, and again, going back to that one. I bet you there were some kids who could, but I bet you there were a bunch of kids that if you had said, you've done a project on the photosynthesis of plants in a hyperkinetic, toxic environment, what would lead to the exertion of formaldehyde from the cantankerous leaf? I'm making up words at this point. The kid would look at you like, uh, what? Yeah, that's right. Uh, what? Yeah. Mom and dad did the whole thing. Not in every case, but I... I yes, and, and how were you able to use a neutron accelerator <laughs> uh, for your project? And the kids says, oh, oh, well, my aunt has one. I used yeah, In the garage. Yeah, I built it myself. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was Marty McFly from Back to the Future. Uh, it, it is... There are those projects. I've seen those projects, again, when the kids were in school, where someone took a Petri dish of something and took it to a lab, and I was thinking, all right, is that... If, if you have an uncle or an aunt who has access to a lab at McMaster, is that wrong that you would use that to your advantage? Because that is you using an advantage 
Not every kid has an uncle or an aunt who could put a petri dish into a lab and study the result. No. So yeah. is that so? The point of this that I'm getting to with Felicity Huffman with Lori Lachlan, while we shake our finger and say it's unfair, you used your advantages to get your kids into school. Are all of us not at some point in some way trying to use whatever advantage we have to try and help our kids get through school and get better grades and get into college or university or somewhere else? Boy, that's a, that's an interesting one. <laughs> I'm stumped. You got me, Scott. Well, I, you, you know what? You've stumped me. There are... By it, the way, folks, uh, I was expelled from uh, one of my schools. Were you once. really? For yeah. what? Science project? Uh, uh, failure? No, uh, I threw the headmistress's flower pot out the window right in front of her. I picked up a flower. I was eight. Picked it up, smashed it through the window. And why'd you do this? Because she was probably disciplining for me for putting lead in one of the l- l- girls' soup. Because I'd break <laughs> up pieces of lead pencils and put it in the soup. And I, she was probably disciplining me for that. <laughs> Very, very scolding me, and I picked up a flower pot and smashed it right through the window, and I got expelled halfway through through the year. So my parents then had to hire a tutor who came in from London every day, and I used to make little model airplanes, and I remember this tutor, he'd spend most of the day sniffing the glue. <laughs> like... And I never understood why, but I, I was thinking, well, yeah, I guess the modeling glue does smell good, but he's like the entire time smelling the glue of my modeling. So just to be clear, you tried to poison your classmates with lead, and yeah. then your tutor that they hired yeah. was a glue-sniffing yeah. addict. Yeah. And the fact that I would smash the headmistress window because she was disciplining me, because I was oh, and you had an out-of-control temper soup. at the time, yes. I did. I was very hyperactive, and I had dyslexia, too, so I was a complete mess. But my parents <laughs> found a tutor from London. And who was a glue he, sniffer. Well, he, he turned out to be a glue sniffer. Yeah, it was terrific. You know, the, Great, they, I learned what was all the, about what, life. What was the ad they put in the paper? Looking for a <laughs> tweaker who can uh, come and teach no, us they, math. They probably hired him because he was cheap. <laughs> And he'd always show up in the morning, no breakfast, so my mom would even make breakfast for him. It was a, in fact, he looked pretty scruffy now that I remember him. And, and he was paid in airplane glue, which was uh, really yeah. inexpensive. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's, uh, let us take a quick break here. By the way, just a quick update. Uh, the reports that are coming in now, we're told you at the top that Mitch Marner has signed with the Leafs, if you're just joining us. Six-year contract, $10.893 million a year average. That's not bad. If you're 22 years old and you're making almost 11 million bucks a year to play hockey, and that's U.S. money. That's that's all right. I bet that's he, a bit of okay, eh? I don't know if he will use money to buy his kids' way into <laughs> university someday, but he he'll be, able, be but he'll be able to. He will. he will have the money to be able to if he wants to. That's uh, wow. At 22 years old, what was I doing? <laughs> Nothing good. I was uh, tw- tw- 22. I think I was just selling Encyclopedia Britannica's. I think I was uh, in my second year working for the Brantford Expositor and uh, probably making the people there wonder why they hired me. Well. Not making 11 million bucks a year, I'll tell you that. Actually, I was at Sheridan College studying animation. There you go. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. So, uh, Bill, there was a story this week, and it ties into the money thing that we were just talking about. Um, there was this couple, and I'm trying to think where they were now. I'm going to look it up because uh, 
Uh, I've forgotten where where it was, so don't mind me typing. Pennsylvania. All right, they were in Pennsylvania. It was a couple that, I guess one of them went online and opened their bank account because they uh, were doing their thing and discovered that there was an extra $120,000 in their bank. Wow. Now, the reason it was there was because of a bank computer error, but they didn't know that. They didn't know why it was there. Uh, 35 and 36-year-old couple, apparently. And they spent it, right? They bought... Uh, an ATV, a car trailer, and a race car while also putting down a payment on a Chevrolet SUV, uh, paid off some bills and gave $15,000 to friends within that amount of time, 120,000 bucks was gone. That's wrong. That is wrong. Now it's easy to say that's wrong. If you're asking me what I would do. That was what I was going to say. What would you have done? Cut right to the chase. I will, I would withdraw the money, hide it, put it somewhere, not spend it. And as soon as the bank finds, oh, we've made a mistake, could we have our money back? I'll say, here you go. What if they never called? I'll wait three years. If they never call in three years, I'd think I'd spend it. But what if they call in five years and then it's still their money? (laughs) Well, why would it take them five (laughs) years to discover they made a mistake? No, I I would figure they're going to find, they're going to figure this out pretty soon. And... I'll give them three years. I'll withdraw the money, put it somewhere safe, and wait. The funny thing about this story is that, and again, it, it seems like a pretty obvious one. Right? Yeah. It, it's it seems like a, I've I've never even had to make a mistake. I don't think and put ten dollars extra into my bank. No, if anything, ten dollars has gone missing from my bank account for some no. weird fee that I didn't even know I was paying. But. If I had $100,000 suddenly land in my bank that I did not know, I, I might, I might think, huh, where I, I, maybe that was something well, that I was- Maybe it was your Christmas bonus. I, well, I don't know where I would have thought- I mean, you don't keep track of your how much money you're making anyway, so it's possible you could have made that 100000 anyway. If it, was a, if it was a million or 5 million or 10 yeah. million, I would know for sure that there was yeah. no chance. That, that's yeah. got to be a mistake. Well, I know. A hundred thousand, I'm kind of thinking for some people you go, well, maybe. I know, because Scott, your bank account is flushed with so much money as it is that you wouldn't even notice. If, no, if but that's that's not what I mean, because that's not true. Uh, but but <laughs> but I'm thinking for some people that, now I, I don't know what their socioeconomic mm-hmm. position is. I don't know if they are people who might have it would have been okay or normal that $100,000 may have shown up in their bank account. But yeah. but boy, it's- Well, um, chances are if, if they were using sp- pay off debts, that's you a, can be sure- That's a good point. That's that a good point. they were living- Yes, thank you. Uh, that does clarify. Too. Yes, that yeah. does clarify. And if you're buying a- So really, folks, if you're listening and you end up with that- it's a mistake. The bank has made a mistake. You do not spend that money. So let me ask you a question. I, I think that most people would follow your advice and follow your morality and follow the rest and say, look, it's not your money. You don't spend it. No. But that's an easy thing to say when it's $100,000. But you can hang on to it and don't tell anyone. Mike, okay. So where is the line though? Because I think, as I say, I think most people would not spend it because they would say that's probably, that's not my money. That's correct. But what if it was, instead of a hundred thousand, which is a huge amount of money, what if it was 10,000 or 5,000 or a thousand? Where, where is the line do you think? Or a hundred? Where's the line do you think that people would say, oh, okay, I'll go ahead and spend it because they've just made a boo-boo. 
for most people. Where well, do you think that is? I don't Look, think everybody is going to be so honest there that if there was a hundred dollars been made. But the fact of the matter is, if you were honest, said to the bank, "Hey, look, you made a mistake. Now, can you give me a little reward for being so honest?" Oh, come on! I mean, why not? It, Wouldn't it's a the bank be so happy that hey, hey, look, guys, you just gave me an extra hundred thousand. Here's your money. <laughs> Wouldn't couldn't you expect to a, a reward like? You've just found a hundred thousand dollars of your bank, uh, and I can. I know lost what, it. I know what I would expect from the bank. Zero. You know, well, no. As a thanks, we're going to give you a free checkbook this month <laughs> instead of charging you thirty dollars for it. We give you a it. calendar. Yeah, that's right. A, a so, fridge magnet. Yeah. <laughs> to remind so, you of where you bank. Know. You, you know what? If the bank is so foolish as to deposit this money, maybe they actually should just. This is your money now. Wow. Wow, I mean, finders keepers. Yeah, I mean, it, finders keepers should be a the thing. The banks are so incompetent; they're depositing hundred thousand dollars by mistake in someone's account. Maybe it should just, it should, they, you know, it's how tough luck for them, Bill? How come finders keepers worked so well as Correct. children? That's a good point, and we can't apply that to it's adult a life. Good point. I think finders keepers yeah. is a great and model. Besides, if somebody comes along, and gives me money, I'm walking along, someone gives me money, oh. Yeah, and then I take it, and then it turns out it was a big mistake because the person had a mental breakdown at the moment or, or whatever. They thought I was someone else. I mean- You have an evil twin they brother. They made a mistake. They gave me the money. What am I supposed to do? You know, I mean, the, it was their mistake by giving me the money, and, and so maybe that should be the same as for the bank. I, I, I do like the idea of finders keepers as a general policy. However, yeah. however- I know that there are an awful lot of people who might make a mistake of their own in banking and wouldn't then quite be as in favor of finders keepers if they accidentally, you know, because uh, I mean, here to, to the bank's credit, I want to give the bank's credit, at least in one particular way. Uh, we had our credit card hacked at one point. The bank was great about saying, we know it was stolen. You're covered. Don't worry about it. So... You know, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because actually, if your credit card or mine is stolen and someone racks it all up, they don't usually hit you. Yeah, with the it. bank says, "Oh, it's it's not your fault." But so. let me go back to the question: What do you think would be the amount that the mm-hmm. average person would start to flinch and say, "I better tell someone I about would this"? Say. Three thousand eight hundred and forty-two <laughs> and fifty cents. That's very specific. I, I think that would be about the the point. See, I think a lot of people would be up to about two hundred bucks or something, where they would just yeah. go, "Okay, maybe, maybe yeah. I can." Just, no one's going to notice. N- n- yeah. Other than these people, I don't think anyone's going to take a hundred thousand and no, think no one's no. coming back for that. No one's going to do that. No yeah. one's coming back for that. Yeah. And I don't think ten thousand. I think they would. They would. No, no. But there's got to be an amount. If you found if you found oh. a a billfold on yeah. the ground that someone yeah. had dropped, yeah. how much would have to be in there for you to make the effort to go and try and find the person or do something to? For me, well, it depends. If, if there was ten dollars, would you make the effort? No. If there was a hundred, would you make the effort? If it, if there was up to no one around, there was no one no. around. There's no, no ID, I but the wouldn't. billfold has a particular marking on it that if you wanted to put out something saying, "Hey, I found this billfold." No, I I, to be honest, I, if it was a hundred dollars, no. If it was five hundred, I probably 
would report it. I mean, legally, I think you're supposed to report it no matter what. I think so. And you yeah. give it to the police, and I think the rule and says that after a certain period yeah. of time, if no one claims it, you get it. So if it's $10, I wouldn't. I think uh, anything more than $100, I think I'd probably give it to the police. I'd love to know what the... I think. Who knows? And you know, who the knows? funny part about it this bill... It depends I th- on how broke I am at that <laughs> moment. But I think you're being... Uh, here's the thing. I think you're being very honest because I think some people would say, oh, as soon as I find a uh, loony, I would go and... Uh, oh, yeah. that, no, you would I wouldn't. would go on a spending spree no, but if I, I, I found a loony. I think there are people who... Well, I think there are people who believe they would do that. Like they legitimately believe that if they found $10, they would try to find the owner. I don't think no, so. I, no. I don't think most people no. would. I no. think I think it all depends how broke you are. If you're like really in need and you find money, I think that money was meant to have been found by you. So it's 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 it, like your guardian angel or God plant put that money that the guardian or God got someone else to lose their ten dollars because you were so broke you needed that money. It was it's meant for you. What if they were on the way to the hospital to buy cancer medicine what? for their family and that was their last $10? Well, with only $10? Well, I don't know. Well, that's tough. That's a tough one. But no, it depends. If you are really in need, you've got no money and you find 10 bucks. I think it was it's meant to be yours. Now, to, uh, to the point of the question I started with when I said, well, who knows what this couple's situation was because... You know, we were just talking before the break about Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin and these celebrities. You know, $100,000 for them, they may not even notice. No, they wouldn't. That's but right. this couple had $1,000, $1,121 in the account before the mistake. So if you suddenly go to your bank account and you have thought there was 1100 and suddenly there is $111,000... Yeah, you probably well, are. Maybe they're just not good with math. Maybe they don't <laughs> understand all the little dots, little noughts behind. Yeah, this was simply number. an arithmetic problem. Yeah. All those zeros, I didn't know that meant money. Yeah, they thought, well, th- four zeros, those are, that means uh, 100, right? But they didn't realize that four zeros are 1,000, not 100. So. Here's what the husband said, or husband or partner, the male partner. I don't know if he's a husband or if they're, I don't know if they're married or not. Anyway, he says, all I'm going to say is we took some bad legal advice from some people and it probably wasn't the best thing in the end. Oh bad legal <laughs> advice. Who is the lawyer? I know. Who's the lawyer? Who says, you found 100,000 bucks in your bank, spend it fast. Yeah, that, that, that's rubbish. No lawyer told him just to keep He, he was watching Better Call yeah. Saul and he I thought, know. that's what Saul would say to do. Yeah, no, that's not. The guy's lying. He's clearly lying. He did not get legal advice. You know who's really upset? When, he, when that quote is uttered in court, the lawyer standing beside yeah, him yeah. going, wait, not me. <laughs> no, I didn't say, that wasn't me. I'm not doing that. You know, the judge is now just glaring at this lawyer like, sorry, you told him? To, nope, not me. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the best policy, I think, is if you find $100,000 in your bank account, uh, someone's yeah. probably going to ask you about it. Yes. Probably. So, so, so they're going to look into it. They're going to find it. They are going to find it. it and, is, that, and that's, of course, you find it cash in a paper bag in an alleyway. Then what? And you know. Technically, you should hand it to the police, but chances are that's different. The bank's not going to find it if it, it's in a bag. And that cash. is, and I'm not going to go to, I'm not going to go to phones right now. I'm not going to ask people to bear their souls and offer up their, 
admissions, but I bet you that if we hooked every single person in this city, not just the audience, every person in this city up to a lie detector machine and injected them. Which would be a very expensive thing to do, Scott. be a very big lie detector machine and injected them with sodium pentothal and did a test of everyone in the city and said, you found a suitcase with $100,000, no markings on it, no ID on it, nobody around, no video cameras. You could pick up this case and walk home and nobody would know it. I would love to know what percentage of Hamiltonians sure. would say, yeah, of course I'm well, taking what that. would you do? I, well, I would give it back. I'd turn it in somewhere. Yeah, but like you say, there's no cameras. I would turn it in because, for two reasons, for two reasons. Uh, One, because I believe it's the right thing to do. Right, yeah. Oh, three reasons. One, because I think it's the right thing to do. Two, because I've seen enough movies where gangsters lose money or something, and then the rest of their life they're spent hunting the person down. I don't need that on my case. Yeah, that's true. And three, I don't believe, I'm not the person who who trusts, I know there's a camera. I would never- But what if you're destitute? What if you have zero money in the world? If I had zero money in the world, I, okay, again, I would, I truly believe that I would turn it in and I would be hoping like crazy that the person who, if they ever came to claim it- I would say to them, and if I was truly destitute, I would not have the any compunctions about saying to them, I turned this in despite the fact that I am broke. Would you please help me? Oh. I, I, and in that case, I would have no problem saying that to the person. And you hope that the person is not, you know, Mr. Meth dealer who's yeah. uh, just looking to get out of town as fast as possible and yeah. would help you out. Fair enough. And, and that said, well, I don't want to sound all pious and preachy and everything else. I've never stumbled upon a suitcase with $100,000 unmarked that I could decide what to do with no, it. I, I no, want that, to believe that's I what I would admit, do. That hasn't happened to me very often, actually. <laughs> very often. No. I would like to believe it, that's what I would do. It hasn't do. happened to me this week, actually. I'm still waiting for this week's uh, installment. Well, you know, it's because you've spent most of your time hanging out with Thong Man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you're a thong man, where do you stuff the money when you find, you know, found money? Where do you put it? Well, I know where you put it. We just don't want to have anyone else handling the money after that. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. In studio with Bill Boyd Wilson, Cadillac Bill. And I want to get to the Cadillac Bill part of it now. You can switch into your Cadillac Bill persona at this point because... About, Here we go. Here we well, go. a couple of years ago, two years ago, three years ago. So you had this TV show on Cable 14. It was, and again, I say this as a, um, as a term of endearment. It was a strange, bizarre, weird show, which in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, anyone who has seen it would. Well, it um, was like nothing ever before seen on I had TV, not seen it before. So. And part of this, you did a series of things called Downtown, Downton Alley. Yes. Explain Downton Alley to those who are unfamiliar with well, the concept. Well, f- first of all, just to explain the TV show a bit, it, it was, we did lots of things that were odd on the show and it, it was intended as entertainment and also for education to learn about the sort of the weird, unusual side of life. Edutainment. Is that what I said? No, I said it. Okay. Edutainment. Edutainment. That's a good word. So that was the intention for my TV show, and I wanted to really um, expose stuff that's going on that you'd never find out about otherwise. 
and you entertain did. people and to bring on people who are <coughs> characters and unusual. But we also were doing stuff that was funny, just strange funny. Anyway, one day I was interviewing Hamilton Taxidermist and Kicks a Risk. And she's she, been on the show before. Very interesting lady. She was. I was surrounded by all of her taxidermied rats, and they were all dressed up in frilly dresses and top hats. And As stuff. they would be. As of course they would be. <laughs> she w- would do them all up in the Victorian style of taxidermied, and I, I and the whole time I kept thinking, I got to use all these rats in some movie, and uh, I had never watched Downton Abbey in my life. I still haven't, by the way. Um, but I decided I was going to do a spoof of Downton Abbey because everyone was talking with about With taxidermied Downton. rats. Yes, with the Aren't rats. you glad that, and what was her name? I can't remember her name now. And Kicks. And Kicks. Aren't you glad she didn't taxidermy like hippos? <laughs> would have been way more of a complicated I would have still process. Done, done, done um, uh, Downton Abbey all using hippos. <laughs> but anyway, that would be much more complicated. <laughs> but yeah, so I decided I was going to just. Never watched Downton Abbey because I wasn't interested in watching it. Um, so I just downloaded all of season one the script. <laughs> and I just edited it down and edited it down. And I rewrote it to be about rats. <laughs> and I changed the names and everything. So, so I made seven episodes, seven scripts, about eight minutes each episode. And I, we built the sets. And we, all of her rats were already dressed. We had all the little props and stuff. And that's how I did my Downton Alleys. And here's the thing. It is truly one of the most insane ideas ever. And yet you got tons of, uh, this was your thing. You got, like, there was tons of people tuning into this online to watch rats, I, rats performing Downton Alley. I got my 15 minutes of fame. From that, I've been struggling away as a musician doing all these crazy things for decades. And for the first time ever, radio stations were calling me to get me on the radio was because of my Downton Alley. That, that has to be a bit of a kick in the pants. Well, I've that, worked my butt off all this time, I and I use taxidermied rats for a performance play, and I'm now I'm famous. So, yeah, so I figured, well, that's fine. And, um, and, and then, actually, somebody even came up to me one day, a stranger, and said that him and his wife had been searching for the exact spot where I filmed the alleyway. No. Yeah, he said that uh, in some interview I did, I mentioned that it was in Stinson. And him and his wife were Google mapping, and they were walking all along the alleyways around Stinson. And he was so excited when he came up to me, he said, we were so happy we found the exact spot where you filmed the Downton Alley rats where where, where the, the house was. You had no idea you were making history for these people. Pop culture history. Hamilton should have a bronze plaque right on that s- little spot. <laughs> it's, by the way, folks, the alleyway is near Wellington and Stinson. It's where I first lived in Hamilton when I moved here. You may have been... You may, on East Avenue South, right by Stinson, right by the old church yeah. or school or whatever it was at the end of the street there. Yes. Yep. It's near that. Yep. So there all right. Go. Well, well. There's your hint. You can all <clears throat> clamber around all of Stinson alleyways looking for that spot. But this was a uh, this was a very unexpected, I would assume, 
hit that you suddenly had all these people interested and you yeah. you had you had showings and you had whatever and Even it's now CBC radio na- international across Canada phoned me to get me on and so and those and episodes are now available right on yeah. somewhere they're all uh, well we have the TV show as a distributor we've always we, we've always had a distributor out of, out of Australia that's getting the show on a whole bunch of places including uh it's on uh, Vimeo and Amazon Prime, so people can watch the Cadillac Bill Show and a bunch of places like that. And the Downton Alleys were all used in seven of. So the, the Cadillac Prime that we get in Canada, if you apply, if you're a member, yeah. you can you Amazon can watch Cadillac Prime. Bill. Absolutely, yeah. And now, you're taking it to the next level because not only is this weekend Super Crawl. Which Super is crawl. a big deal, but putting the exclamation mark on Supercrawl is a book release yes. tomorrow. I am um, thrilled to say that Downton Alley, the films, have now been made into a book. A, a friend suggested, why not make a coffee table book of the f- of the, the of the films? And, and I'm right now passing the book over to Scott so he can take a look through it. It's a 50-page, it's like a graphic novel, photographs. Of the rats, and you hear you hear exactly what they're saying, and it's basically for kids of all ages. I would say toddlers all the way up to uh, chapter uh, one, Titanic, with a photo of Titanic sinks on the front page of a newspaper, setting the scene. Yes. For um, and then the next page, rats, Titanic sinking. <laughs> we shouldn't be laughing at the, Titanic the, sinking, but there was the headline. I, I changed the headline on the newspaper to show really? rats. I thought that was the real headline. <laughs> <laughs> rats. No. So okay, and, and this has some. Um, so the book, by the way, I only made fifty copies. They're all numbered one to fifty. Yes. I've, I've sent some out to some publishers. Haven't heard anything back from any publishers. So chances are these will be the only ones ever made. And I am doing my little book launch tomorrow. The book will be available tomorrow at the Casbah. And if I don't hear back from publishers, well, even if I do hear back from publishers and it gets published, then these will still be the first edition, limited edition. Do you wish to give us a short reading from the book of Downton Alley? I will do that. And this is, by the way, the first time... The first public reading? Uh, yeah, the first public reading. I'm going to read the very last page of the, the, the story, and uh, just because I think this is rather poignant. because As it would be with rats involved in Victorian-era costumes. And it's about, about Hamilton a little bit, too, because the rats the, the, in Downton a- a- Abbey, the World War One's about to start. So my book ends off with, <clears throat> as the Great War of the Rats begins... The rat tale of Hamilton ends. Life continues for the Crawleys in the old grand toilet roll box. Eat it marries a gerbil. Lady Harry marries Matthew, and together they have hundreds of little rats. Robert and Cora enlarge their happy family with many more scurrying little ones. All the Crawley descendants do their part in building Hamilton into the largest rat-infested city of Canada. Despite the Great War, life carries on for rodents throughout the world. The peaceful, idyllic life of the uh, in the alley where it isn't always perfect with cats, rat catchers, and people trying to shoo our friends away. 
Crawley House and the Downton Box remain a legacy in an alleyway somewhere in Hamilton, till it rained, that is, because it's a cardboard box. If somebody wanted to get one of the 50 copies of the book or be there for the uh, the launch, where is the launch tomorrow? It's at the Casbah on uh, 306 uh, Main Street, King Street West. Uh, and does it cost anything to get in? It's, it's um, 306 King, King Street West. Yes, it's $5 to get in. But you see, folks... The book's normally $25, but if you pay $5 to get in, you don't have to buy a book, but if you want to buy one, it's only $20. There you go. Good math. Uh, let us let me give you the quiz question. Thank you for that. That's great. Uh, the Casbah tomorrow. If you're downtown for Super Crawl, make a point of swinging over and seeing Bill and uh, maybe buying one of his books. Clean them out. Get rid of those 50 books by tomorrow and uh, make a publisher stand up and take notes so we can Jolly have thousands well. of Jolly them out good, there. Yeah. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.